You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And we're going to get ready to jump right in this morning. It's going to be a good day. You guys ready for today? I hope so. After worship like that, we got to be ready to go. Thank you. So I'm excited to get to speak to you guys this morning. So we're going to jump right in. We are talking today about being created for conversations. Now, let me ask a question. And for those of you extroverts in the room, you're going to get this immediately. For my introverts, this may take you a minute. But how many of you have ever just wanted to be around people? Not even anything particular you wanted to do, but you just needed to go somewhere where there were people, right? Okay, that's about half the room. Now, the rest of you are like, no, I'm good. I would be fine with never seeing people ever in my life. But that's not true. Let's be honest. There are a handful of people that you do want to see, and if you don't see them enough, it makes you want to just curl up in bed and not do anything at all because those few relationships are vital to who you are. Would you agree with that? Okay. This is my point, and I want to set us up for a conversation. You were created for conversation and relationships. You were created to be connected to people. Some people to be connected to everybody a little bit. Other people to be really, really connected to just a few. That's great. We have different personalities. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, you were created to be connected. I want you to think of it from this level. What is the greatest punishment that our culture brings for somebody who commits a crime? The greatest punishment. isolation. You get in prison. If you get in trouble in prison, then you go to what? Solitary confinement. I want you to think, we were so created for relationship that when we want to bring punishment for illegal crimes and activities, we literally separate you more and more from people depending on the severity of that crime. You were so created for relationship, our greatest punishment is to remove it from you. We never think about that. But let me ask this. Many of you, when you go through a hard time and something gets rough, how many of us, our default is to isolate? See, this is the thing. If the devil can separate you, if he can separate you, then it gives him an inroad to begin to mess with your mind, to begin to attack you in ways you are not ready for because you were created to be connected. You were created to be surrounded by the people of God that he created you to be in connection with. Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord said that it was not good for man to be alone. I want you to think about, you know, we've talked about that in a bunch of different contexts, but I want you to think about the fact that God created everything in all of creation and all of the universe and said how amazing it was and he created man and that was and that was good and everything was amazing and then the first thing in recorded history that wasn't good was for man to be alone for you to be separated from others (laughs) so god created woman to be a helper into a created relationship on a physical level 
not just the relationship between you and God. I want to pause really quick. This is not my message. This is just a little freebie for you. Okay, I hear people say this all the time. Well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. You're right. You can. You can have a relationship with God, and you cannot be involved in church and not be connected to a body of believers. But let me just tell you, you will not live the fulfilled life to the fullest that God created you, separated and removed from the people that God created you to be with. Are they dysfunctional? Absolutely. How many of you guys are going to Thanksgiving this week? Are they dysfunctional? No comment. <laughs> Everybody has family that's like, oh, yeah, we don't claim that one publicly, but, right? We're people. I've never in my life had a conversation with somebody, and they're like, man, I'm just, I'm just tired of going to these AA meetings just filled with all these people with alcohol problems. But I hear people all the time, oh, I get, just get so frustrated in church. It's full of hypocrites. No, it's full of broken people, which is right where they need to be. How, let's be honest. How many of us in the room are broken people? Every one of us. We've all got issues. Our issues just look different than each other's. But the only way we know that is through conversation. One of the most impactful moments in my life, I remember sitting with a group of guys, and we were talking about stuff and issues and struggles. And I'll never forget one guy in the group finally gets vulnerable. He's like, Guys, I really just need y'all to pray for me. I'm struggling with this. And the next thing you know, within five minutes, everybody in the group is talking about their struggle in the same area, and we're praying for each other, and we're with each other, and ministering to each other. And what was five people with a surface-level conversation, one person was able to get vulnerable, and all of a sudden, five people had individual struggles that no one knew about, that all of a sudden, collectively, we all struggle with the same thing. We're all here walking through the same things together and able to help each other and draw each other in. You were designed to be connected to people. In fact, Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue can bring life or death. That's a new living translation. I love that interpretation. Your tongue can bring life or death. Let me ask you a question. We're created to be in conversation, but how many times have you been around someone and you were really happy and they weren't? And within just a few minutes, you realize you were not quite as happy as you were going into that conversation. What about the other way around? You ever been having a bad day and somebody just showed up and their countenance was lifted and they were, they were in a great mood and the next thing you know, it just began to change the atmosphere of your own life? Because you were created to be connected and what you bring to the environments that you are interjected in literally has the ability to bring life to a situation or to bring death. And I hate to tell you this, but there are studies and they argue between 70 and 90% of your communication has nothing to do with what comes out of your mouth, but about body language and the way you present yourself. So we can't separate what we say from what we do because they are more intertwined than we ever really want to admit. Anybody ever have, I had this conversation with my boys the other day. I didn't ask permission for this, so they're going to get mad. Uh, we're in the car, and we're talking, and we are having a serious discussion. <laughs> and I look in the mirror in this serious discussion, and my oldest is in the back, and he's like, yep, uh-huh, yep. And I was like, boy, <laughs> I'm going to pull this car over, put the phone down, Look at us when we're talking to you. Any parents in the room ever feel that? Like, we are having a conversation. Put your eyes on me and let's talk. 
wives in the room. We're having a conversation. Put your eyes on me and let's talk, right? Why? Because it's communicating something even without words. Your life is designed to communicate something even without words. But words are vitally important. And we were created for that conversation. We were created for that connection. My question for you is this. When people are around you, does your life and your words bring life to their situation or does it bring death to it? Because that's an honest question that we've got to ask. Let's jump into Scripture before I go anymore. Let's get to the heart of it, okay? I don't want you to think my opinion. Let's look at what Scripture says. I want to do a comparison here of something I feel like is just a really cool thing that I didn't even notice when I was getting ready for this message, but I love this. Okay, it's John 4. We're going to start at verse 5. It says, eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field of Jacob, where Jacob's well was. Jesus was tired from a long walk, and he sat there beside the well about noontime. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman would come to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Let's jump to verse 9 because this is the important part. Jesus is tired, right? He's just sitting, hanging out, thirsty and tired. Woman walks up. She's got a bucket and a rope because he's at a well. Just to clarify. (laughs) Walks up. Hey, can you give me a drink? Does this sound like an earth-shattering conversation to anyone? No. It's a guy who's tired, talking to somebody who has the ability to help him, if she'll help him. Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jesus, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, and Jesus said to her, or she, I'm sorry, she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Why are you speaking to me? Before I go any further, some of you guys need to hear this. Some of the most earth-shattering conversations you can have with your coworkers and your family is simply to dignify them with a conversation knowing they do not believe the same thing that you believe. We live in a world that has had plenty of people telling them what's wrong with them. They need to just see Christians being the love of Jesus, talking to people that think different, look different, act different, And dignifying them with a conversation. The first ministry Jesus brought to the Samaritan woman was dignifying her with a conversation. Then it went on from there. Verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking, then you would ask me if I would give you water. Verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks of this water will not go thirsty And he goes on, he begins to tell her about how this water brings eternal life. And I love this, verse 15, where this conversation, we're going to kind of conclude the conversation. Her response was, please, sir, give me this water. See, I want to talk about our conversation for a minute. Because so often we feel like our conversation needs to be so intertwined and laced with a message when we're speaking to people about God, that we Forget that we can simply dignify them with a conversation and show what God is doing in us and through us that opens a doorway for us to show them the true life and help of Jesus in their life. See, there's something really unique that Jesus does here. He meets her and he greets her. That's it. 
Then he talks with her. He even asked her for something. He asked her for water. He didn't just show up, hey, I'm so glad you arrived. Let me tell you how great your life can be. Does that not sound like so many people that we know, though? Here's all the things wrong with your life. If you change those, you can have this. That's not what Jesus did at all. He dignified her with a conversation and asked about her, engaged her in conversation that dignified her, and then said, see, if you really knew what I had to offer, it would change everything about this conversation. To which she was intrigued. What do you mean? Are you not, are you better than Jacob? Are you better than our fathers that came before? Are you, what are you saying? Are you saying you're better? No, no, no. (laughs) What I'm saying is I have something for you that is greater than anything you have ever experienced in your life. That is the beautiful conversation of the loving grace and compassion for God. When you talk to somebody, man, my marriage is having a heart. Well, I'll pray for you, brother. Great. Pray for him. But did you stop right there and pray for him? Did you? Do they even believe in Jesus? Because just saying I'll pray for you to someone who doesn't believe is like, okay, cool. Well, what's wrong? What are you guys walking through? Well, they just don't understand me. They just don't pay attention when I talk. They're always on their phone. Yeah, you know, I, w- I went through something similar to like in my own life. And I met Jesus, and here's what he did to my family, and here's how it transformed my family, and here's where we're at now. And we were able to walk out of a place of almost getting divorced to being a place where our marriage is better than it ever has been. Would you like to know that, Jesus? Do you see, that conversation is drastically different. That conversation is relational. That conversation brings life. Because you dignified somebody and ultimately give them the option. I love her response. (laughs) Please, sir, give me this water. She was begging Jesus by the end of the conversation for what Jesus brought to her life. Everyone in this room with with a relationship with Jesus understands if the world truly knew what they were missing, they would be begging for it. The problem is we're too busy telling them what they're missing in their own life than telling them what they're missing out on that could improve it, that could help it, that could benefit. Don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying go to your work and be like, hey, you need, a, you need a raise? I got a Jesus. That's not the way this works, okay? You're broken? Yeah, I was broken too. Here's how that worked out. Your marriage is falling apart? Yeah, I was there too. Here's how it worked out. You, oh, you're tr- struggling with finances? Yeah, I remember that. I remember one time me and my wife literally sat down and prayed, okay, God, do we pay our tithe or do we pay our electric bill? And we decided to be faithful with what God asked us. And when we got home or we got to work the next day, surprisingly, there was a check that my wife received for a reimbursement that we had forgot about from months before. And God was faithful. and We were able to pay our tithe and pay our electric bill. Uh, things like that aren't manipulation, they're honest conversation. But the heart behind it and just being vulnerable, can can we be honest for a minute? That sounds great up here. But does it sound great when you're around a table with a friend to say, yeah, there was a time I could almost not pay my electric bill. 
Or maybe that was last month. That's a place of vulnerability we don't like to go. It's way easier to say, you know, if you were more faithful, you budgeted better. And we're in the exact same boat. Anybody relate? Is your conversation bringing life or death? Is it bringing condemnation to the people you're talking to? Or is it bringing hope and inspiration that's lifting them up and being the example of Jesus in the way that they live their life? Colossians 4 says this, let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love that, seasoned with salt. Isn't that a random piece of of that scripture? Seasoned with salt. You'll walk around with a pocket of it and talk to people. Good morning. Just following scripture. Right? Like, no, that'd be weird. That's not what it's saying. But we are created to be what? The salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and light are change agents. They cannot help but change whatever they touch. How many of you put salt on your food? To make it better, right? (laughs) Tell the truth. Anybody ever unscrew the salt shaker and just set it back on the table so the next person gets, right? And it's like, man, you just ruined my whole meal. Anybody ever do that and it actually work out funny for the person who dumped it on their food? It's funny for everybody else there, but the one dude who dumped it and covered their food is now mad the rest of the day. Right? Because he didn't get to eat. And now he's sitting there with no food watching y'all laugh at him. I'm not judging you for it. I've done it many times. But my point is this. My point is this. As Christians... We should be adding salt to the conversation that's the change agent to enhance what is going on, not unscrewing the cap so that we can dump everything we know on somebody to make ourselves feel better, feel important, and feel like we're the ones who are going to help you because that just leaves them frustrated and overwhelmed. Your conversations should be seasoned with salt. As we need to come at every conversation from a place of love and a place of truth. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Jesus didn't talk to this woman and lead her to this place of conversation where it was like, oh, you want Jesus? Okay. Life's great now. No, because following that, he said, you want Jesus? Great. Here's how you get him. Go get your husband. Well, that's not my husband I'm with. Yeah, I know. You've had five of those. But if you really want this relationship, then this needs to begin to change about your life. See, what needed to change about her life didn't come into the conversation until she met Jesus and understood that there was a purpose and a plan for her bigger than what she understood. Are you with me? That's where we need to start. Stop telling people how much is wrong with their own life until they know the hope that can make it better. People need to know that there is a hope in Jesus. People need to know that our conversations matter. Our culture is the worst at that. Can we be honest? Man, I am so convicted right now. Because <laughs> my illustration, I've done the, I did my exact illustration I'm about to use this morning, so I'm sorry. Anybody ever walk by somebody? Hey, how's it going? Anybody? Was I really asking how it's going? No. But how's it going has become a 
hey, greeting. And we walk through life and we're connected to people. Man, I talk to people and I care about people. Do we? Next time somebody says, hey, how's it going? Start to tell them. See what happens. Right? I've, hey, how's it going? Whoa, we're really talking. Okay. Right? Like that, that's the conversation. It's like, whoa, 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 my bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be praying for, I'll be praying for you about that. Why? What did I just communicate, even though I never said it? I really don't care what you have to say. I really don't care how your life is. I've got other things that are more important than this conversation that I'm having with you. See, the problem is we as Christians live like that often. And we do it unintentionally. It's not intentional. Our mind was on something else, right? What's the most important relationship next to God that he's entrusted you with? And that's the people that are around you. Let's be honest. If, if you lost your job today, you could find another one. I'm not saying things wouldn't be tough and it wouldn't be hard, but you could find another one. If you go outside to start your car and it doesn't start, you can replace it. You can get another one. And 10 years down the road, you might be like, man, that was a good car until it left me stranded in the church parking lot, right? But what about that last conversation with a loved one or a family member? Can't just get a new one. Can't just replace it. Ten years down the road, it's not like, well, oh, yeah, I remember them. No. It's like, oh, if I had one more day. One more conversation. The most important thing that we have with the people God's entrusted is the conversation. And those conversations need to be wrapped in love. They need to be wrapped in truth. They need to be real conversations, not the surface level that we've minimized most of our relationships to. Truly impacting and making a difference in people's life. Do you realize God wants that from you on a deep, deep level? So much so that he has intertwined us in a way that, honestly, I can't even explain. For example, how many of you have ever just been going through a hard time in your life and your phone rang or you got a text message? And it was somebody saying, hey, I'm praying for you right now. Anybody? It's about half the room. Now let me ask this question. How many of you have ever just randomly been going about your life and thought, I should call Angel, see how he's doing today. And you shoot him a text to get a response of, you have no idea how much that meant to me right now. Anybody ever done that? About half the room. How crazy is it? Well, that's just coincidence, really. It is coincidence. Out of 200 people, more than 100 people in the room have had someone randomly call them at the exact moment they needed it. More than 100 people in the room randomly text and called somebody at the exact moment they needed it. It's just by chance. No. There is no way by chance that more than 50% of the people in this room have been on one side of that conversation more than 200 people out of this room and both sides of that conversation. There is no way that's by chance. That's because there is a God who knows what you need and when you need it. And when you are struggling, he brings the very thing he designed you to have. And that is the relationship conversation into that situation. Why? Because whatever you're struggling with right now, 
needs hope and it needs life. So what is his easiest way to interject hope and life into your situation? Through conversation. Why? Because Proverbs 18, 21, for the, life, the tongue brings life or death. So if God wants to introduce hope into a conversation, he's going to introduce you. Because that's what we were created and called to bring into that situation. The question is, are we operating and we walking in our design? Are you walking in what you were created to walk in? Or are we just having surface level conversations? Are we living the way we were designed? Or when we get together, we just talk about how bad everything is in life. Well, nah, these, are, these are my close friends, Pastor Chris. These are just the people I vent to. There's nothing wrong with having people that you talk to and vent to about the real things that are going on. But let me help you. We put a couple parameters on it that will help benefit you immensely. Are you ready? Those friends that you talk to need to be trusted people that you talk to, that you can talk to them and have an honest conversation, and they will be honest with you when you say, my boss is being such a jerk, blah, 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 blah. Well, were you at work on time? Did you turn in what he was looking for? No. It's an honest conversation in the middle of it. Most of us don't want that person. We want the Facebook friend where I can post who I'm mad at to 3,000 people over social media, and they can all get in, and I don't care about the people that disagree, but I'll look to see the 500 likes of people that validate how I feel right now. I'm, I'm stepping on toes, I can tell. Let's be honest, though. We've lost the art of conversation. We've lost the ability to disagree because we don't want to have true conversations. We just want to say what we think and want the person who hears it to agree. We've got to have real conversations with people. I love this illustration, and I'm going to start to wrap up here, but true conversations require truth wrapped in love. Let me put it like this. Anybody ever been with a friend, a spouse, somebody at a nice event and you get like food in your teeth or something like that, right? And you go talk to somebody, you just meet them and you walk away and you're like, oh my gosh, ladies, I've got lipstick on my teeth, whatever that is. Do you go back to the person you just met? Mr. Howard, I just met you. How come you didn't tell me this was wrong with me? Anybody do that? No. Who do you look at? Your friend? Your spouse? You're the trusted person in my life. How come you didn't have the honest yet embarrassing conversation to prevent me from getting out in front of other people in that same way? Your conversation needs to be truth wrapped in love. You go to the people that you trust. See, there's a key thing about that, and it's the whole reason I use that illustration. We often want to get mad at the person we do not have a depth of relationship in because of what's going on in their life or because of the way they responded. But the truth of it is that level of relationship is what allows that level of truth. 
See, we need to just begin the relationship in some places. In other places, we need to start telling the truth in the ones we've been in for a while. But we've got to learn where we're at on that. If we as Christians continue to simply tell the world everything that's wrong with them instead of telling them the hope that Jesus has, we are continuing the dysfunction that already exists. Here's what we've got to realize. Truth will heal the hurting, but truth without love is simply beating the broken. They already know their issues in their life. They don't need you to tell, they don't need other people telling them how bad their life is. Anybody in here been in a bad situation and somebody walked up, well, if you wouldn't have done that, you wouldn't have been here. How many of you are like, thank you for those words of wisdom? No. Some of y'all are like, no. Scripture says I need to lay hands on you and pray for you right now. So I'm going to lay hands and then we're going to pray for you to come back to life. It's a joke. Don't do that. (laughs) But the truth of it is we do need truth and love in our conversations. Those come through a depth of relationship that God designed for you and created for you. If we truly love, or sorry, if we truly live a God-centered life, then our conversations and our lifestyles should point people to Jesus. I want to close with this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud as the band begins to come back up. I love people. I just love to tell them what's wrong with them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It is not boastful. It is not proud. Our conversations need to be full of love for the world around us. And when we have the depth of relationship that should be in those relationships, then they also need to be filled with the truth to let people know what is going on. Let me ask this. If you were to say the person who has had the biggest impact in your life, I want you to get that person in your mind really quickly. Who has had the greatest impact in your life? Now, let me ask this. Is that person had the greatest impact in your life because they gave you a large sum of money? Did that person have the greatest impact in your life because they traveled the world and you couldn't believe how amazing they were? Probably not. Is the person in your mind someone who took the time to invest in you? And have the hard conversations when they needed to have the hard conversations and be willing to sit face to face and bring truth and love in the very moment that you needed it. Because most of the things we put priority on in the world around us are not truly the things that should have the priority. It's the relationships and the conversations that God designed you to have that unlock something about the true depth of meaning that you were created to carry. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this room today and you say, you know, if I'm honest, 
the relationship I have with God isn't one of depth or substance. It's one where I just tell him everything that's wrong so he'll fix it. Or maybe it's non-existent completely. But if today you want to start a true conversation, a true relationship with our Savior, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? We're just going to hang out for another minute. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who had the courage to lift their hand. God, I pray that you would take us to a deeper place of relationship with you where we can be honest about who we're not, where we can be honest about our failures, where we can truly listen to who you want us to be and that we can truly walk in a disposition of love and grace to the world around us where we bring the conversation of God into our homes, in our workplace, and everywhere we step foot. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. I want to commission you with something as you leave today. We're not going to leave just yet. We're going to go into worship. But before we do that, I want to ask you, when you leave today, purpose a conversation this week. I know we've got Thanksgiving coming up, but who is someone that you can purpose to have a meaningful conversation with? Not just a, hey, how's your week? But a true, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Conversation. We invite you. We're going to worship together. You guys know it's good to be inspired. It's good to be challenged, but now let's do something with it. We can say, man, we've got a God who loves us and wants to save us and change our life, well, let's engage with him. So I invite you, the worship band's going to begin to pray, or begin to play. And as they do, let's engage in worship. Our prayer teams are going to be available out in the back. If you need someone to pray with you, if you're walking through somebody, this is the perfect opportunity to have an honest conversation about where you're at and what you're walking through. Allow them to pray with you. If you want to worship through your giving, we've got our giving stations at the back. Or if you just want to gather your family or just yourself and take communion as an expression of worship while we worship, that's available behind the cameras in the center. But let's take this time as we conclude to be intentional to turn our affection and our attention to Jesus.